Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. Joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filippovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, not much Not much on my end. I made tacos last night uh, yeah. for the first time in a while, and they were some of the best ones I've made in a good bit. I was very pleased with the outcome. Me and uh, me and my girlfriend went to Trivia last night, and it was next door to a Condado, so I had a uh, Condado for dinner. Have you ever had Condado? I've never even heard of this. Is this a, is this a restaurant? It's, what it's, is this? It, it, it's a chain uh, Mexican chain-ish like fast okay. casual uh but also like they cook in the back and it's not just like heating out of bags uh like mexican food but it was, it's quite good highly recommend it uh, yeah. i'm trying to think what are what are the other but it, it, it it's night it's not like chipotle or it's not like Cadoba. it's not that high it's actually like a sit-down place it's pretty good okay. uh, and then tonight i had the cauliflower and yoki from trader joe's uh because nice. people on tiktok told me it was good and um <laughs> Sure, they were they were fine, uh, but we're we're not here to talk about food and dinner. We're here to talk about the Penn State Nittany Lions, and now that the college football season is officially over. We wanted to take some time to look at the newest members of the Penn State roster, the freshmen in Penn State's uh, for the 2023 season for the Nittany Lions, specifically the early enrollees. We'll do a full episode on transfers when you know everyone who's going to be transferring to Penn State. We'll do a full episode on the rest of the class after uh probably after national signing day probably won't sit here and wait until they get to happy valley formally but we decided we wanted to do a little bit of a spotlight of the uh 11 players according to penn state who uh other 22 player class enrolled in january today we're doing this on january 9th right before the national championship game and that means today was their first day on campus if you were on twitter that means it is a holy day uh a uh a revered, a much looked forward to, much ballyhooed day in Penn State football, the Twitter, uh, and that's when a bunch of eighteen-year-olds go to a college class and sit in the front row and take a picture to prove that they were uh, those players that did this. Mega Barnwell, Alex Birchmeyer, Anthony Donko, Lamont Payne Jr., Tamir Robinson, Tony Rojas, Joey Schlafer, Jackson Smolik, Zion Tracy, Elliot Washington the second. And Javen Williams, uh, they make up a class that, according to twenty four seven Sports, composite rating is the number fifteenth class in the nation, led uh, by Williams as a five star, the number thirty overall player in the country. Uh, Alex Birchmeyer, a four star, the number forty four player in the country, and Tony Rojas, uh, four star, number ninety two player in the country. Matt, uh, when the, I talk about the early enrollees, I, one thing that I find really interesting is that usually when there is a big slate of early enrollees, when there are any early enrollees, uh, I think the thought is you look and you go, okay, maybe a bunch of these dudes are able to contribute right away. A bunch of these guys are going to be difference makers. And something that I take a lot of uh, solace in with this group is that Penn State doesn't, in my opinion, need any of them to step in right away and contribute. And I think that's kind of my big overarching take of this group of early enrollees. What say you? What is your kind of big overarching take on this group of young guys coming into Happy Valley? Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing, the the evolving of the early enrollee. I remember back in 2015, my first year on campus, I think I was looking up on my phone. I think Penn State had three early enrollees in that 2015 class. It would have been Tommy Stevens. Sterling Jenkins 
and Paris Palmer, who was a JUCO guy. And now we're at the point where half of the class is getting to campus mid-year, which I was just really surprised by. And I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of guys usually to go out there and play their way into early playing time or, you know, take advantage of a spring ball. But Penn State was so underclassman reliant yep. this past season in 2022 that I have a hard time seeing an easy path to large roles for a lot of freshmen just by nature of how the roster's built. So the fact that you're getting these guys on campus is great. I think it's great for their long-term development. I think it's great just to get some classes out of the way. Um, you know, if for whatever reason it doesn't work for any of these guys, they can graduate earlier and transfer and go off and do whatever they think is best for them. That's another good element to it. But in terms of on-field impact for 2023, there's not many guys in this group I have to look at and say, yes, this person will definitely, you know, play their way out of a red shirt or play their way into the two deep because they got to campus in January. Yeah. And, you know, you look at the guys at the very top of the class, and I think they're generally pretty good indications of kind of the rest of the class. They're they're the tone mm-hmm. setters in the class. The more I watch of Javen Williams, the more that I'm like giggling. Like he is just a wonderful, wonderful prospect. Alex Birchmeyer is a very similar guy. Birchmeyer, we're we're gonna go through these players in a bit, but I don't know how many offensive linemen I've seen who are better at immediately engaging with the defensive line, uh, high school offensive linemen to be immediately engaging with the defensive linemen directly in front of them. And mm-hmm. no matter, it could be an edge guy, it could be someone in the interior, it could be a linebacker, defensive back, whomever. He is sending them 10 yards backwards no matter what he does. Uh, and then a guy like Tony Rojas, they're lucky they don't need a guy like Tony Rojas to contribute right away because I don't know if you have looked at a picture of Tony Rojas. I watch his film and I see a guy who is a stud, but he's listed at six foot, uh, six one and a half, two hundred 200 pounds. He's a really slender dude. Yep. He's a guy that can use some time to fill out his frame a little bit and have his frame catch up to what he's got going on up here because he's a very smart, instinctive, and physical football player. Uh, when we talk about these uh, guys who were enrolling early, we're going to do red, yellow, and green light. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the positions where we think these guys could potentially make the biggest impact right away. Mm-hmm. But is there one guy who... The more that you have watched, you know, we came up with the idea to do this podcast a little bit earlier today. Uh, throughout their recruiting cycles, we've been following along with the news. Is there any guy among these early enrollees who the more that you have watched from the moment you've started to pay attention to this recruiting class, Matt, the more you've fallen in love with him and gone, oh, that guy is going to be a player. I think it's it's a cop-out because we already talked about him, but it's Javen Williams. Um, spoiler alert, I'm going to have him as a green light uh, in when we play that game in a little bit. He he moves well. He moves like he could play anywhere along the offensive line. And I think having a guy get to campus early, let you figure out where he's your best fit uh, at every position because you have depth everywhere. Like It's not like he's a guy you need to play at guard because you don't have interior depth. It's not like you need to play him at tackle because you don't have any tackle depth. Like He's a guy who is, I think, the best natural offensive lineman that Franklin has signed, and he's coming in early. He gets this spring now to build his body up and to figure out where he's going to play best. I think the consensus right now is he's going to be a tackle to start his camp- or start his career, and if that shifts to guard or if he stays at tackle, I think he'll stay on the outside. That's huge for Penn State. Like 
no matter how we swing it, Olu and Caden Wallace are both back. It's probably both their last years as next year. So Javon Williams has a chance to be that next guy up and to take over a starting job in his second year on campus. And we have not seen a whole lot of offensive linemen do that in the Franklin era. And I think Williams is just that kind of caliber of player. And I'm, I'm so excited to watch him play this year. Yeah, I, the the just you know a bit of a spoil, spoiler alert. I'm ne- I'm almost never going to give a green light to an offensive lineman, and that applies here just because I I think it's best to hold their hands a little bit, take them along, have them build up this you know build up their strength at a college level. But the more I watch Javen Williams, the more I am just in awe of <laughs> how this guy can move for a dude of his size. There were one of the he participated in the All-American Bowl, and they were doing, uh, I forget who it was, but someone posted a highlight of him at the game, or not not even in the game, in the practice, where he's pulling from a guard spot, and he's getting out and moving, and it's taken the running back a second to catch up with him. He is a spectacular athlete for a guy on the middle, and a guy who winds up in the middle, and unlike a lot of dudes who are really good athletes, um, as offensive linemen, it's not like he's a good athlete and needs to add, you know, he was 250 playing on the offensive line in a uh, bad week. He was at, uh, he was from Reading, why I'm missing high school, local kid, uh, 6'4", 285 listed on 24-7. He's going to be a guy who, uh, you know, I think the preference is always going to be don't give a dude more don't give offensive linemen too much play time, but I do think we're going to see a good amount of him. The one guy for me who I had him as a red when I was just kind of doing my immediate thoughts considering what their uh, recruiting rating is, uh, what the position looks like, all these sorts of things. And then I sat down and I watched a bit of his tape and I fell in love with Lamont Payne. Uh, Three-star quarterback, Chartiers Valley, Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. Uh, coming in at about 6'1", 170, uh, he's a string bean. He's a guy who's going to need to get into a college strength and conditioning program. He's a guy who's going to need to fill out a bit, whatever. His wide receiver tape, you just see inherently awesome ball skills out of this dude. He knows how to go up and get a football, and I think that's something that Penn State's going to real values in its quarterback is you know how to make a play on the ball, either to knock it down or to reel it in. And then you watch his quarterback tape. He's up on the line of scrimmage playing press man on dudes already. He's a really solid, really fluid athlete. Uh, it looks easy for him. Uh, kind of guy who, again, I don't think there's going to be, you know, you're going to need to force a cornerback in. You look at who Penn State is coming back, Johnny Dixon, Kalen King, Cam Miller, uh, Daquan Hardy. Uh, they're going to be bringing in Storm Duck. I don't think you're going to need to play him, but I really like what I have seen out of him. Matt, are there any of the, those dudes, you know, not in that Javen Williams, not in that Alex Birchmeyer, Tony Ross, kind of upper class of prospect who you've liked the more that you've gotten the chance to watch? Again, among these early enrollees. Um, they're not going to need him, but I think Jackson Smolik, I think it's easy to see yeah. why his recruitment blew up. Um, again, he's a guy who realistically will not be in a competition to start until at least probably his third year on campus. So the tools are there. The traits are there. He's like six one, six two. He's got the size. He's about what Clifford was. 
Um, and he's a guy who I think is, you know, a lightly recruited guy who played his way into more opportunities. And I think if he sticks it out, he could be a pretty good quarterback for this team. And, you know, I hope Mike Yurcich sticks around for a long time. And I'm just very glad that, you know, after a couple years of us seeing how valuable quarterback depth is, I think he's going to be a really good depth piece for a couple years before he makes a push for the starting job. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I think you are probably also going to have Smolik as a red. Is that a, is that a safe bet here? He is 100% a red, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yes. With all due respect to Jackson Smolik, if he plays as a true freshman, uh, it's probably because something went wrong. But hey, maybe he steps in and blows away. I don't know. Uh, but that's but the case I for do... a lot of these guys. I think like, yeah. that's like a, something we're going to have to mention. Like This roster is built on you know guys who are going to be either you know ju- uh, redshirt juniors, you know true sophomores, uh, redshirt freshmen. Like It's such a young roster that a lot of these guys, there's just not a realistic path. It's like, no, you know, insult to their talent, but I I just can't see a, a big path for a lot of these guys. Yeah, that, that's completely reasonable. I think that's a that that's a good uh, point of entry into doing red, yellow, and green, white for the offensive side of the football. I Let's don't do have any green, white dudes. I know you said Jamin Williams is one. Do you have any others to whom you would give that classification? No pure green lights for me. I think Williams is a different beast. Again, I think a big part of that is the way the roster is built ahead of him. Um, this is kind of where how Pensick handled the roster in 2022 was really interesting to me because there was not a path for Aller, but the staff put an emphasis on game reps for him. There was not a path for Drew Shelton. I mean, one kind of formed once injuries happened, but it was clear he was ready. And again, with Olu and Caden Wallace likely in their final years, that next opportunity is going to come in 2024. And if if Williams is physically ready, you know, if he's mentally ready, I think there's a really good chance for him to go out there and, you know, play in eight games. You know, if games get out of hand again, he gets a lot of mop-up duty. And that way he's ready if injuries pile up again. So... That's the big reason there. It's not that I think he's going to push for a starting job. It's that just okay. the staff handled things so differently now. It's kind of making me recalibrate how I view, you know, these true freshmen a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, my my thing with offensive linemen is, one, I just think of how rare it is that we see true freshmen get any sort of extended run. Drew Shelton and Landon Tangwall the last two years have been major exceptions to this. I'm, I'm, I'm right. sure I'm forgetting another guy or two. Uh along the way, but you look at what Penn State has coming back on the offensive line. Caden Wallace, Sal Wormley, Olu Fashanu, Vega Ioane, Drew Shelton, Hunter Norzad, Landon Tangwall, Nick Dawkins, Jimmy Christ. There's eight dudes right there who it seems like they trust to one extent or another, and that doesn't include a guy like a J.B. Nelson, a guy like an Abraham Trial. There are just a lot, so many bodies there that I'm willing to say these guys are yellows uh, because I also have, I'm going to guess you do too, I all I have Alex Birchmeyer's yellow and that's it for yellows for me on the offensive side of the football, is it the same for you? Yeah, Birchmeyer's a yellow. I, I like the point you made about how Birchmeyer plays really physical at the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a wrestler, so that's a big two-time, thing in wrestling. I, I was going to say, he was a two-time yeah. state champion wrestler in the the, the state of Virginia. And if you remember the last uh, decorated wrestler, maybe not the last, but one of the more prominent decorated wrestlers to arrive at Penn State, it was P.J. Mustafer, who played along the interior of the defensive line, and he got on as a true freshman. 
that's maybe, you know, could be a similarity. It, again, different times, different positions, different kids. But I think, yeah, he's he's kind of firmly in the yellow category for me. Yeah, I I, I think that is, uh, I think it's a good point. I we but, but to be clear, you don't have anyone else's yellow. I do not, no. The other one okay, would be Donko. I think Donko's a pure, a pure red. I think Joey Schlafer and Mega Barnwell. Schlafer's a red just because of what's ahead of him. Barnwell's a red because I think we have to see if nature says he's a tackle or if he says he's a tight yes. end. Um, and I don't really think I'm missing anybody on the offensive side of the ball unless I'm forgetting someone. But yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of where I stand on everybody as a whole in that class. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So we'll just talk about the yellows for a second. And yeah. I think they are. it's one of those situations where I can imagine them, you know, you use your four games with them. You get them in during the fourth quarter of a blowout and give them a little bit of run, hold their hands a bit, you know, you don't need Olu Fashanu out there. You don't need Landon Tengwall out there uh, when it's 41 to three in the fourth quarter against Rutgers. And that's right. where you give these guys a little bit of a chance to go out there and show what they could do. I think of the two of them, I would be, I would not be surprised from what I've seen if Birchmeyer steps in and is better right away. Uh, okay. I think Birchmeyer's physicality, his nastiness, his ability to shove dudes out of the way. It's just all stuff that translates well from the jump. Mm-hmm. But Williams, if he can keep his athleticism, if he can continue to be a really good athlete for the position, especially as he puts on 10, 15, 20 pounds, he's the kind of guy that you get, you put him somewhere along your offensive line and the rest takes care of itself. And that that's when you get to the point where you could start saying, okay, in two years, it's Drew Shelton with Alex Birchmeyer next to him, with someone to tackle, with uh, Javen Williams somewhere else. Like, you could start looking down the road and start to see how getting that run this year is really beneficial to them. But I don't think there is going to be a circumstance. And, of course, injuries are the great equalizer here. I don't think there is a situation where, because of how much stuff Penn State has coming back, along its offensive line, how many guys they know and trust are coming back along their offensive line, there is going to be a ton of playing time for them. And ultimately, considering the last couple of years of Penn State football on the offensive line, I think that's a really good thing. Bill, um, I think you and I kind of saw the same video of Williams pulling and getting out in space. Um, And this will never happen, but my first thought was, man, it would be cool if he was the middle guy in the T formation. Man, that would be fun. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we could you could uh, you imagine? Yeah. No, that wouldn't be fun. That would be it wouldn't be, be, it wouldn't uh, be fun if, for if it wouldn't be fun for the guys that the poor safeties who have to come down and like try to make a play on that. Uh, not good, but yeah, cool uh, to watch. yeah. Oh god, that'd be that 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 would be that would be funny. I wonder. I would like it if they showed that look one of these times. Just uh, you know that the, that seems like something. Um, that seems like the sort of thing that James Franklin does against like Delaware. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing he just throws out there because he's stealing. Like that'd be uh, that'd be fun. Uh, let's go to those the Reds for a sec. Um, yep. Is there any guy among these who you really want to highlight for one reason or another? I know we talked about Smolik for a second. So of Barnwell, Donko, and Schlafer, are there any guys here who the more you watch them, the more interested you became in them? Schlafer is an interesting one to me in in a vacuum, and that vacuum being the twenty twenty three season. 
Schlafer's a guy, you know, Michael, Michael Mennett's half-brother has a great relationship with his Penn State staff going back to, you know, Michael's recruitment. And Schlafer was a really good receiving tight end. He was a guy who set all kinds of records in the league that he played in. Uh, I think he has the record for receiving touchdowns and receptions, I want to say offhand. I could be wrong. Uh, don't quote me on that. But Penn State needs pass catchers in 2023. If Schlafer proves that he can be an asset in that regard, and you can just throw another tight end into the mix to replace a receiver, uh, receivers that they don't really have right now, I could see that being a path to playing time for a guy like that. You know, odds of that happening, I would put it like 5%, like super, super <laughs> low. But that's what makes it so interesting to me to get these guys on campus this early. You have all this time now to figure things out. You know, Schlafer can learn the ropes. He can learn how to block. You know, he's not going to not know how to catch the football once he gets to this level. That's going to come um, pretty naturally to him. So he's a guy I'm most intrigued with. And then, you know, Donko and Barnwell, I think, are just both developmental guys see where they play best and hopefully they can contribute sooner rather than later. Yeah, the interesting thing with Schlafer is that he's not the only tight end in this class. Uh, right Andrew now. Lap Raplia, uh is also going to be coming in, uh, playing the position, uh, and is, you know, of course, Penn State has a, a very busy tight end room, uh, even with Brent Strange moving on with Tyler Ward, Dio Jossa, and Jerry Cross's options. Uh, he's a really interesting player. I'm fascinated in whatever they're going to do with mega Barb. yeah because i truly have you know we always talk about uh you know you get a guy's bit of ball of clay you could figure out what you want to do with him blah 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 he is truly a guy where i have zero clue what they are going to end up trying to turn him into as a prospect because he's just such an interesting, like, physical specimen. You watch his tape, and uh, he's listed at uh, 6'6 and 250 pounds. And there are times when he's playing slot receiver. Uh, I, like, I just don't know if he is going to be playing tight end, if he's going to be a tackle, if he's going to be on the defensive side of the football. Uh, I know he's one of those guys who uh, his original 24-7 composite rating, 0.9348, uh, would have made him the number 156 player in his class. He ended up coming in at number 398 uh, for players in his class. So he's one of those guys who uh, was a really, you know, is considered a big-time blue-chip prospect early. That's kind of faded a bit. He committed to Penn State early, decommitted back in. I have no clue what the hell they're going to end up doing with him. I think you put it the right way, Matt, which you just get him on campus and let nature take its course. At 6'6", 250, with really good athleticism and really good athletic trait. You know, he's really coordinated for his size. He's really good at going up and catching the football. He's like a decent enough route runner. I don't know what the hell Penn State has with him, but I'm just fascinated to see whatever he turns into the interesting thing with with mega barnwell for me is they've had this happen before under james franklin they've had guys come in who were legitimate power five prospects at multiple positions let's go back again to that 2015 class john holland could have played tight end or defensive end he stuck out at tight end for i think four or five seasons uh Khalil dinkins just in, currently in the tight end room right now he was a guy a lot of people thought would be a linebacker at some point or like an edge rusher or whatever you want to call that, you know, modern position. Um, and he's still in Penn State's tight end room. So I'm curious to see 
if they let Barnwell stick it out at where he wants to try to play, um, or again, if nature just takes its course, or you know, or if there's a better path of playing time on the defensive side of the football. We've seen guys flip all the time on this, you know, for Penn State. Uh, C.J. Thorpe going back was a good example of that. So, again, just see what happens. Let Chuck Losey mold him, and then hopefully we'll see him on the field um, in 2024, 2025. Yeah, and then uh, you mentioned on Donko, it seems like he's going to be a guy you just bring him in, you give him time, hold his hand, want to be the latest film in all of those linemen. Smolik, anything really stick out as you watch him, or do you think he's just a guy where – you get him in, you give him some time, and you hope for the best. I mean, you can see why. He has good traits. Like, he's tall, he's smart, he played in a good league. I mean, Iowa high school football is not Florida or Georgia, but he played He played good competition. He played against other players who will play at the next level. Um, and again, there's no expectation for him for at least two seasons, and that's why I think he can really just take his time and be a great asset to this team. Um, and again, if you can get great looks from your scout team, that goes a long way. I think Bo Prabula, uh is going to have a lot more value now as the number two, uh, and his red shirt secured. I think they're going to try to maybe get him into a lot of games, so Smolik can kind of go away on on the on the back burner for a little bit. But I'm excited to see what he can develop into. Yeah, I mean, I watched a bit of his tape. It's always important to measure with tape. It's not like we're watching full game film. We're watching what is put right. on Huddle and on YouTube, and those are cut a very specific and very uh, flattering way. But even saying that. He has two traits that I really, three traits that I really like. One, his eyes are always down the field. I That's love the when one. a quarterback is consistently looking down the field, not worried too much about the rush, all that sort of thing. And going off of that, he's really good at using his legs to extend plays and keep his eyes down the field. Good amount of plays where he's taking a snap, he's breaking the pocket, and he is still looking, looking, looking. Uh, it doesn't obviously look nearly as easy as it did in Drew Aller's tape when he throws the football. I even say it probably doesn't look as easy as Bo Prabula's tape did when he throws the football. The one thing I like, his deep ball, he floats it up there, but not in a way where it seems like the ball is dying. He's floating it up there and throwing it to the spot where he knows his receiver is going to be, and that's something that really intrigues me. Um, I hope that we don't see him take a single snap until you know, 2025 at the soonest. Um, if Pens- God knows if Penn State is going to try and bring in a transfer quarterback, but if they do, that really hurts his path to playing time even more. But mm-hmm. I like him. I like what it seems like Penn State's going to get out of him. And do you know what else I like? Man? Home field apparel. I'm a big fan of home field apparel in part because they sponsor this podcast. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, you are surely aware of home field apparel. But if you're not, home field, a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of the lovely state of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, I'm trying to, uh, I can't look up uh, conference recruiting classes. I was going to say where Indiana's was because their founder is an Indiana fan, and I wanted him to be mad. Of course, Hillfield Apparel, you know if you've heard this podcast, the shirts are comfortable and unique. The designs are really cool. You know, if it was even if they weren't sponsoring this podcast, I would be a huge fan of the work that Homefield Apparel does. Uh, Matt, I don't have my video on for you right now. Do you have any home field apparel gear? I do indeed. I have my uh, my old school Nittany Lion logo one that I, yeah. I try to wear pretty often. It's it's outside of my Take Me to Happy Valley one. This is one of my favorites. I've been wearing my uh, generic, generic in a good way, Penn State hoodie a lot in the last couple of days. Um, and I'll tell you this. I live around Buckeyes. I can feel eyeballs on me when I do that. Uh, 
Of course, there are 15 pieces of apparel in their line of Penn State gear. And if you're wearing new customer, you can use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, to get 15% off of your first order through Homefield Apparel. Again, if you're a new customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you again to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this podcast. Matt, let's get back in to talking about Penn State's red, yellow, and green, white players, but this time on the defensive side of the football on their early enrollees. Do you think of the group that is coming in as early enrollees, any of these guys would get green light classification for you? Um, Tony Rojas, full stop. That's my that's that's my lone green light here, is Tony. <laughs> oh, Matthew, we disagree. Okay, all right, fair, fair. Do you I, want to plead your case for why not? I think he is a monster. Yes. I think his tape shows him with a level of speed and a level of physicality that is really, really impressive and really, really dangerous. I also think he is nowhere near big enough to play linebacker in the Big Ten. But it's worth mentioning he was also a very good, uh, also a very good running back. Uh, and yes. you absolutely see that fast, agile, all that. I'm really concerned about his frame. I actually, because okay. of his frame, at six one and two hundred pounds, looking like a string bead. I actually have him as a red light, but that comes with a caveat. Oh, wow. With the caveat, if he can add strength and size to you know, his frame, I think he's a guy that ascends up the depth chart. You look at Penn State's starting linebackers last year, Jonathan Sutherland, 5'11", 214 pounds. Abdul, not starters, guys who played a lot. Sutherland, 5'11", 214. Abdul Carter, 6'3", 233. Curtis Jacobs, 6'1", 227. Uh, Kobe King, 6'1", 247. Tyler Elsden, 6'2", 236. The guy who's physically closest to him uh, among scholarship dudes who play, and it's a relatively new scholarship dude, uh, in Dom DeLuca, who is 6'1", 209, and he just looks a lot more big. So I want to see Tony Rojas early and often if we are able to, but I would not be surprised if they say, listen, we'll get you out there a little bit, but we just don't know if you have the size to, you know, a game against Michigan, a game against Ohio State, even a game against a team like Illinois or Iowa, we are going to be able to see you play right away. That That's totally fair. And the good news is he can still burn his red shirt and not have a big role in those games, similar to sure. what the Sutherland role was this past year. Um, so what I thought about regarding Tony Rojas is ability and opportunity. So there's a lot of natural sure. ability there. And we are over 200 days away from West Virginia, from that first kick. And he is on campus today, and he is going to get training this week with Chuck Losey and with that staff. I feel confident they can get him up to where he can look like he belongs on the field. He's a good enough player. He's fast enough. He's athletic enough. I think he's a smart enough player to really understand what his role can be on that defense. And the opportunity section of this is we think Curtis Jacobs is back. We think Abdul Carter is back. Who are the other outside linebackers for this Penn State team then? Is it Dom DeLuca, who was a walk-on three weeks ago? And that's pretty much it scholarship-wise, who's on campus right now. So that's why I think this yeah, opportunity fair. is so great, because 
if Jacobs comes back, it's going to be his last season. And then I'll just make the same points I just made for Javen Williams. Like, he's a guy who, with the way the staff is handling freshmen now, I can see them going out there and saying, okay, we're up, you know, 17 with eight minutes to go. Tony, go fly around. And, you know, there is a really easy path to seeing a guy like him playing in more than four games in that kind of role. So that's where I come from with this. Again, a lot of this hinges on his development, like physically over the next nine months. But if he gets up to, if he gets to 200 pounds, I think we'll see him on the field. Not even factoring in his special teams value. Like he's a guy who is fast enough to be a running back in Virginia. Like clearly he can get down the field on kick coverage if they need him. So that's uh, that's where I want to plant my flag for him. Did you uh, did you see the picture of him that uh, they put on the IG account after he moved? He in? looks he looks very small. He looks yes. That let's uh let's get that young man over to Redifer as soon as he will be possible. The folks over at In a Pickle, if it is still open, we need you. We Penn State football needs you to just shovel garbage down this young man's mouth, uh, so he can be big and strong and early in Big Ten. Uh, so I am is a red. You have a green. You I don't have anyone as a green on defense. What about yourself? Uh, outside of Rojas, I don't have anybody else. So who were your yellow light guys? Tamir Robinson's interesting to me. I think there's a bit of you know, is he an as rusher? Is he a linebacker? Is he like the Amin Vanover, no hand in the dirt kind of guy? Is is still up for grabs? And also he's coming off a pretty severe lower body injury, um, and we've seen Penn State really take their time with that. K.J. Hamler is a great example of that. K.J. Hamler was a guy who probably could have played, but he tore his ACL. I think it would have been the first game of his senior season, so a pretty similar timeline uh, to Tamir Robinson. So he's one that I think, if he's healthy, could maybe play his way onto the field a little bit more. And outside of that, I mean, Elliot Washington, good player. Where's the path to playing time? Zion Tracy, same thing. Um, and then Lamont Payne, Safety, I think, is the deepest room on this roster, especially if Keaton Ellis comes back. Really hard for me to see a playing a path to playing time there, and I think you have enough guys coming back to be contributors on special teams. Um, so unless a guy has a role on both defense and special teams, I I can't really see them justifying burning a redshirt of any of those guys. Uh, so I have Robinson as a red, and that is okay, partially because he uh, Torres ACL is a junior, uh, okay. so I do believe he played last season but when i watch his tape he played some edge he played some safety he played some slot corner there were times when he was a wide receiver there were times he was a quarterback so he's a guy who i think they need to figure out what his role is going to be and again another dude who you need to build his frame out of it he's at 6'4 225 pounds if you want him to be a linebacker that's not a or an outside linebacker that's not a bad size to be at if you want him to be an edge guy he's listed on 24/7 as an edge going to need to build that up a little bit uh but i watch him he's a really explosive but controlled athlete and i really like what i saw out of him, he's a guy who, you know, I, he's not a mega Barnwell level of a, you know, for lack of a better word, a project. Uh, he's a guy who you have an idea of where you want to play him. It's about getting him used to playing in those positions. And I liked what I saw out of him. I want him, you know, if he redshirts this year, fine. If he has to wait until next uh, 2024 to start really contributing, also fine. But I think there's a really good football player in there. Uh, 
you said that you have all of the defensive backs then as red light guys. Yeah, there's. I just can't see a path. Honest, uh, with Storm Duck coming in too for the corners, I just can't see a path for any of them. Um, like similar to a role KJ Winston played. Like Winston, I thought really pushed the envelope by burning his red shirt, considering the role he actually played. And I don't know if the staff can justify doing that again. I think that's fair. I I put Payne as I mentioned as a yellow light guy. That's just because I really loved what his tape showed. And then I have Washington in there, regardless of whether or not he is going to be a cornerback or a safety. He's coming in at about six foot, 195 pounds, uh, four-star prospect of a 138 player in his class, uh, Florida kid. And the things I saw with him, he's a really good athlete. He has really good size and he's physical. He's not afraid to do anything. There are times where he has to come up and hit a dude. There are times where he has to be in man coverage. There are times where he's dropping into uh, play kind of that center fielder sort of role as a safety and I think when you have a guy like that stepping on campus right away Matt he's the sort of dude who I think is going to force himself into the conversation to say okay Jair Brown is going to be gone at safety obviously there is a lot of talent there even if Keaton Ellis doesn't come back with Zaki Wheatley Jalen Reed Makai Flowers KJ Winston a lot of dudes there I'm still going to try and force my way into this. And I'm going to make the have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to play him there. And if I'm a quarterback, yes, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Cam Miller, uh, Daquan Hardy, and Storm Ducker all here. But again, my talent, I think I'm, I think he's going to be able to force himself into these sorts of conversations. And then otherwise, yeah, I mean, uh, do did you have any thoughts on Washington, Tracy, or Payne? The more that you watch them. I think Washington has the highest ceiling of anybody in this group. Um, and I think the the yeah. unknownness to if he's a corner or a safety is interesting. I mean, we've seen it happen before. Penn State starts guys at corner. I think Franklin kind of made a quote about this regarding Christian Driver is that they start guys on at corner to teach them ball skills a little bit better, and then they move them back to safety. Hey. Um, and we've seen that happen a lot. Um, I, I mean, Zaki Wheatley is one of them. Keaton Ellis, Lamont Wade. Um, Adrian Amos, Jordan Lucas, like there's a ton of examples of this in Penn State football history. And I think Washington is a long-term safety, but I like the idea of him starting his career at corner uh, just to develop those ball skills a little bit more. And that his size, I think, lets him be a a really good option at safety in the near future. Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, And then I, you know, Tracy and Payne are both really fun players. I think they're making mm-hmm. big steps up in competition, but I, I really... That's the thing for me. Big, really big, like steps, that, big steps up in competition for the, both those guys. Yeah, Payne is coming uh, from... Give me one moment here. Chartiers Valley in Bridgeville, uh, Bridgeville Pennsylvania. Uh, and then uh, Tracy's coming from Connecticut Prep School Football. But, you know, I, I like that you could just see the swagger that these guys mm-hmm. have at such young ages as defensive backs. Like, that's one of those things you can't teach. And at this point, like, I'm not going to count. I- I'm going to assume that Anthony Poindexter and Terry Smith are going to turn both these guys into All-Americans because they just do that. They don't miss. Those two do they not do- miss. They do not miss. Uh, so last little thing here before we wrap it up, then uh, Matt and I, you know, crack open a beverage and go watch the national championship game. Uh Kind of a general question. This is more of an opportunity to talk about how Penn State's roster looks heading into next year. Mm-hmm. Of 
the positions that these dudes play. So there are a couple offensive linemen, a uh, couple guys in the back seven, you know, all those sorts of things. Which position do you think is the most likely to fold in freshmen when you look at what mm. they have on their roster? Um, mm, this is a great question. I haven't really... I gave two surefire green lights, and Williams, I think, is is going to play his way on more because of his talent. I think Rojas will play his way on because I think he's going into a really good opportunity for a lot of playing time. Again, no disrespect to Dom DeLuca. That is a bona fide power five linebacker. I have I have no doubt in my mind Dom DeLuca is going to be a good player for Penn State, but that's the only competition in the two deep right now for outside linebacker. I, I feel fairly confident Keon Wiley is going to stay in the middle. Um, so there's your opportunity for Rojas, and that's why I think it's linebacker right now. Yeah, I don't think any of these dudes are, uh, again, I don't think any of them are going to step in right away, but when I think of how Penn State likes to use its, uh, well, I think we got a glimpse into how they want to use their, get their young offensive linemen involved this season when we're see, seeing guys like Vega Iwane, Drew Shell, and yep. those sorts of things. And because of how good Birchmeyer and Williams are, I don't think they're going to rely, I hope they don't have to rely on them at any point. But I think there's go- these are those are the guys who, if I have to point and say, who is going to be the guys where we're getting into November and they're getting shut down because one more game ruins their, uh, one more game ruins their red shirts. I would probably say those two. I think Birchmeyer gives you and William. They both give you guys especially with Landon Tangwall being a little bit older, Hunter Norzad going to be moving on after this season. They give you guys that you could put in there and you could see what you have as guards, as interior offensive linemen. You know, maybe one of them is the heir apparent to Olu Fashanu a tackle. Who knows? But I would probably just say along the offensive line for that exact reason. I, I just think they're going to want to get guys involved up there so they can cut their teeth a little bit. So when they have to rely on them, that's not their first extended sort of action. Um, totally but fair. again, I think, yeah. I, realistic, I, I, think we, I think, yeah. I think we both agree it's not going to be Jackson Smollett. It will not be Jackson Smollett. Sadly, it will Correct. not be. Again, I'm I'm open to anything. If Jackson Smollett wants to be so good that he takes the quarterback job away from Drew Auer, fine. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts uh, before I wrap up this edition of the pod? Um, Georgia's already winning. Uh, they're up 7 nothing after a five-play, 62-yard drive that took less than three minutes off the game clock. Um, so I think it might be that kind of night for the Frogs. Um, and also, Penn State was given the sixth-best national title odds uh, in the way-too-early 2023 um, odds-making circle. So that's cool. That's fun. Um, I'm going to be unbearable this offseason for you, Bill, so get ready. Matt, how's uh, how is your ability to read? How's my ability to read? How's your ability to read? I don't know. I graduated with a comm degree in four years, so that's either an indictment or uh, or a uh, a positive. Why did I miss? Uh, did I miscount? Could you go and read those title odds and tell me how many teams are in Penn State's division that are directly above them? Oh, uh, two of them: Ohio State and Michigan. Ah, um, but okay. I'm going to start a rumor right now. Ryan Day is going to the Cardinals, and Jim Harbaugh is going to the Colts, so it doesn't matter anymore. Well, the second half of that isn't a rumor, but that's neither here nor there. Thank you, everyone, <laughs> for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. As always, make sure you're subscribing wherever you go to get your podcasts. Uh, if you're using Apple Podcasts, please go and leave us a five-star review. If you're using YouTube, hop to the comment sections. Have 
some fun talking with other Penn State fans down there. If you want to know where you can go, make sure you head over to our Twitter account, follow us at RLR blog. There's a link to your link in the bio. That'll tell you everything you need to know about where you can go and subscribe to the podcast. And again, thank you very much to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring this edition of the pod. Again, use the promo code Roar Lions Roar, one word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeVilbo. Take care, everyone. Go State.